How you doing? Hi, Andy. It's good. To Hi. Talk. <laughs> it's good. Um, thanks for popping back on. Like, um, you know, it's always good to have a range of people on, and very rarely, to most uh, podcasts, in cryptozoology or the paranormal, have somebody on that just deals, you know, with a matter of fact animals that are known to science in an everyday way. But there's something, I suppose, quite important about what you do, because even though you do deal with animals that are known to science, you deal with animals that aren't supposed to be here in this country or are exotics that have escaped. So that gives you a sort of, I suppose, uh, an edge yeah. as a researcher, as a researcher almost, because you're out there looking for things that aren't usually found in the country. And that to me, I think that's an important crossover to what we feel we're trying to do in the cryptozoology community. Yes, indeed. Well, it's it's mm. like I've said before, it's it, it's always been a bit of a, a begrudging bolt-on to cryptozoology, really. You're not talking about cryptids particularly. You're talking about animals that are just not mm. at home. Um, and there's very obvious reasons for that. I mean, we, you know, we have a history in exploring the mysterious and, and, and the more um obscure but yeah certainly these days uh, our work is with um, national exotics animal rescue services and it is indeed exactly what it sounds exactly what it says on the tin um as mundane as that <laughs> well you say mundane but i mean really not boring could, i didn't say boring yeah, not boring you know, raccoons exotic snakes parrots birds yeah, um, the, the raccoon dogs are always heading off around the country every uh, every few years or so. There's always a couple of those guys running about on there and, and the like. But also, you know, you have stepped, I suppose, in a in um in a public way into the the area into the genre of British big cats, mystery big cats, and you had a very um, interesting. I thought it was a very interesting and well, very well. Um, thought out article on the subject in the country that a lot of big cat chases I, I guess probably didn't like the uh, so tell us, one, was it? yes yeah so I mean tell us a little bit more about that your opinions on the phenomena and and its commonality you know is it something that exists in the UK in your opinion number one two if it does exist to what extent does the phenomena exist is it like hundreds like people say there are or we're talking about one or two strays getting out and wandering around the place from time to time i think that's the crux of the matter isn't it really i mean i i see animals uh, that shouldn't be in the uk wandering around the uk every day uh, or hear about them or, mm -hmm. or see videos of them or pictures of them uh, any animal that's kept as a a, a pet or, or or in a in a in captivity can escape or be released you know that that's the, that's the bottom line whether they're held legally or illegally those options are um are there so it, it would be naive to suggest that there's no way there could be uh, any big cats out there and and you know that there is very well documented factual history um with actual evidence of big cats being found in the uk um that were traced back to releases um mm. and escapes or whatever 
And it's quite likely that some of those um, may still have offspring out there. And that is uh, that, that's one part of the equation. The, the issue that I kind of take exception to is the suggestion that we have thriving populations uh, because of course you, 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 that's not in isolation. You can't just say we've got thriving population of leopards, whoopee. Um, you'd also have to say in the same breath, we must have thriving populations of puma and we must mm. have thriving populations of lynx and we must also have thriving populations of some of the other smaller jungle cats that have been sighted too. Um, that's becoming a bit incredulous for me. Um, and it relies solely on the evidence of eyewitness sightings, mm. um, which are notoriously unreliable. Um, my comparison, my most recent comparison, uh, if you like, is to suggest that the sighting reports that um, are put out there with photographic evidence mm. and with video evidence are nonsense. <laughs> so um, we can make some assumptions about those sighting reports that don't carry um, video or picture evidence mm. with them as well. Um, I, I have spoken to some people on Facebook and I've taken conversations offline with them because they've genuinely piqued my interest and you know mm. I think, I think that some genuine reports out there. I think Facebook does a huge disservice to the whole um, genre, to be honest with you. And, and yeah. you know, the Facebook groups, whereas I, I don't want to sound elitist about this, but you, you, you would have thought it would be a really good platform for collating information. Mm. But it's, it's just a platform for people to say, oh, you've seen one of you, I've seen two. And then someone else will say, well, I've seen three. And then before you know it, someone said, well, I see them regularly yeah. on a regular basis. I, I know how many they are. They've got cubs. I see them every time I'm out walking the dog. Uh, and you just go, no, you don't. You, you know, you don't because we don't. Because where are, the, where are the photographs? And I yeah. suppose you know, that, that live, element is so. We don't live so... in Narnia to start with. You know, no. And there's, there's people who claim similar things about other creatures. Which of course. Don't no, of course. And I'm um, and, that too. Yeah, and I, I, I need to take it all with a pinch of salt. But like I say, there, there have been cases that we've been involved in in, in recent times okay. that I've had investigators um, on the case and I, I've collated information and we've been uh, we've interviewed plenty of witnesses over the years. Yeah. So we're not dismissive of the suggestion of there still being big cats out there. I've spoken to rangers within... Um, the New Forest, Canic Chase, places like that, who say, you know, we do think there may be uh, one or two still out there. You know, the, these are serious people. I'm in conversations with um, representatives of DEFRA and APA, mm. um, who have a similar sort of very matter of fact. That's their opinion as well. They think there's there's a small, there's a smattering of cats and these cats around the country. I mean, these cats yeah. would have a wide territory as well. We're talking 20 miles or more, aren't we? So well, they could, they could potential, males could potentially have a huge territory. You know, mm. it would only be defined by the presence of another male, really. Okay. And, you know, if, 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 uh, if there were two or three 
females scattered around and I, I guess a male cat could have seasonal territories and wander a huge yeah. area potentially okay. uh, if, if that were the case but you know I, I don't even know how, how viable that is you know it, it's all speculation to be mm. honest with you um, clearly the cats that were released um, tied to the advent of the DWA coming yeah. in uh, which is often cited and I think reasonably um, but it shouldn't be treated in isolation and of course it's, it's only used for big cats I mean, nobody thinks about all the other animals that were kept without mm. dangerous wild animals license which then needed them um, so what happened to all of those you know I, that came up recently and I thought well that's that's a good point I mean not that something like wallabies would be an example of that because they're not dangerous but wallabies being established in pockets throughout the country actually has been a very interesting thing to me it was a new thing to me when i was writing piece of britain to say mm. wallabies like really yeah but insignificant <laughs> really are they i mean of course you get calls about escape wallabies that are in fact wild wallabies uh well we've we've dealt with um Often you don't know, of course, you can only make an assumption. We made an yeah. assumption along those lines um, recently and we were involved in the recapture of a, a wallaby up in the northeast. Mm. Um, and there's a couple more cases in the southeast as well currently. Uh, and it's hard to tell because, you know, we've had them spotted still as potential wild animals. Um, and generally speaking, there's no history of wild populations of wallabies wandering into urban areas. So mm. that's really the only way to make a... Okay, so that's the that's the clincher. If it's in a neighbourhood, it's probably a pet. Yeah, yeah. Someone's, someone's probably chucked it out or it's escaped and they don't really want to draw too much attention to it. We've had cases in the past where we've got responsible owners who are trying to help with the recapture, but as with any animal that goes missing, sometimes people don't want to draw attention to it. They don't want to be seen to be responsible. They don't want to be liable that, for the fines. Yeah, that was something with. I wondered about. Is, is that often what's behind some of these big cats? I think something I don't know how prevalent the, um, the keeping illegal um, ownership of big cats in England and Wales now or in Scotland but in Ireland I heard it was still quite a big problem. Which is much like the Wild West out there to mm. be honest with you. I mean, yeah. There's no law against it. No, you, yeah. I think I think it will change fairly mm. soon but no it, it, it's, it's madness. Um, but I, I think that's a bit of a red herring to be honest with you. Mm. I don't think there's any way that anyone is going to the lengths and the finances and the logistics of mm. acquiring a big cat illegally oh, okay. only, only to release it. I mean, there's okay. some suggestion that, you know, that there's still some deliberate releasing going on. Mm. Uh, I, th I think that's nonsensical. That's hard to believe. I mean, yeah. I would think that we were looking at the descendants of those original releases in the 1970s, assuming that they took place. We know what our two did, but assuming that it was more widespread well, would, my assumption would be that's what we're looking at I mean, what, what are we looking at for a litter of uh, a leopard or a puma with uh, you're not two three individuals litters. no you're not yeah you're not talking huge litters and then of mm. course they've all got to survive 
Yeah. Uh, I'm surviving in non-ideal conditions, generally okay. speaking. Um, you know, some some people seem to suggest that, you know, these animals will just simply adapt to life in the UK. Mm. And that clearly depends on how long they've been in captivity as well. Mm. You know, if it's a very old animal that's used to being hand-fed on um, rump steak, then it isn't going to go and just take down a deer. Um, yeah. Not without being fatally wounded, I wouldn't have thought. Mm. You know, so it's 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 not going to survive just because it's a big cat, which is why we have um, far better survival rate for animals that can survive by scavenging. You know, mm. your raccoons and your raccoon dogs and stuff like that. They can scavenge and they they can eat small things and they can survive pretty well on, you know, um, just digging up worms and and berries okay. and stuff like that. But an animal that needs to, you know, have Pack on the pounds, yeah. Vast amounts of protein, mm. you know, on, on a regular basis. Uh, it's a different ball game completely. I mean, I think, I think, to be honest with you, what is more likely and, and, and what is a reality is the amount of um, exotic cat breeds um, mm. the, 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 that are so popular these Talking days. Talking about the, the Savannah-style cats and the... Yeah. yeah. Well, your savannah breeders, um, certainly any, anyone that's producing F1 savannas, will mm. have a serval. Um, uh-huh. Servals are available in black, you know. Um, savannas are available in black. In fact, they're, they're, they're a stunning animal in black. Mm. Um, they are actually here. They are being utilised as part of the exotic pet trade mm. uh, in a way that, pumas and leopards we, we have one nearby that lady walks it in the park with the dog walkers it's yeah. got a little harness and a lead on it and everything and it let's stand about i guess it's just above my knee i suppose a large one yeah. and um i mean yeah i mean sure you know from a distance if that was black and i i saw it and of course you know the tr- trick with cats is especially big cat sightings from a distance is without something for scale big cats look a lot like little cats you don't know what distance you're looking at them from. They certainly um, do to everyone on Facebook, don't they? Yeah. They do, and I've seen quite a few. The one I think that probably gets me the most, and something to clear up with other people, is is the cat prints. And the mm. first thing I'm looking for is those claws, right? Dog claws, obviously. Yeah, and yeah. time and time and time, it's almost like the sticks and stones to the Bigfoot uh, phenomena. People say, big cat, big cat, big cat. And mm-hmm. A basic, just a basic search on Google for you know just to, to get a, an understanding of a very basic appearance yes, of um, the cat paw prints would be amazing and yet no dogs and dogs and dogs and dogs again and again i have seen a few that are very convincing but again quite a few of those clearly could have fit fitted into the the savannah yeah uh, portion likely i mean I, I just think we need to think about what's more realistic mm-hmm. and what's actually out there you know we we do deal with um escaped savannas we we do deal with um a lot of agencies that are responsible for feral cat populations it is a fact that exotic breeds are finding their way into uh feral populations oh, really? and there's uh evidence of much bigger cats um you know, because so of that, the, the crossbreed between the exotics yeah, and the feral cats. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the gene pool within um, 
feral cat populations, once you start adding exotic breeds to it, mm. you know, the prospect of some sort of throwback or whatever, depending on what mixture um, is there, is is immense, really. You know, anything can be thrown up. Um, with, with there being no uh, argument that, you know, melanistic cats are, are very common in, in, mm. in domestic trade. So that, that, that isn't a, that isn't a sticking point at all. Um, so the, the sticking point for me is, you know, when people start talking about leopards, really, because... Um, in, in viable population sizes, that's what we're talking well, about. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah you, you know, certainly in population sizes that are viable enough for two and a half thousand sighting reports a year, yeah. Is it that many? Well, it, it, yeah, I've heard different figures, and to be honest with you, um, it, I'm sure it is guesswork. I'm sure it's exaggerated mm. to some extent by some people. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, you, you on this um, on the Skype, you don't you, you don't record all my uh, notifications flashing up, does it? No. No, 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 no. Well, I've only got that's the downside to me using my phone, I'm afraid. Uh, no, it does no. keep me off it. I also can't see you at the moment. Is that is that deliberate? No, I'm I'm on the screen. Ah, I haven't got you on screen. Oh, I'm definitely here. I don't know whether that makes a difference to the, to the report. It might, it might be uh, the setting you've got your camera on. If you can just see yourself in a little square. Maybe yeah. you don't have it on full screen. If you change it to full screen, uh, which you can do by just clicking back on the Skype um, button here on the side. Now you've disappeared. <laughs> you're gone now, Mike. I mean, you're just still here, but your picture has disappeared. Are you still with us? I haven't got you on the. Um, oh, I haven't got you on um, screen now. Go to call. Oh, right. I'm 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 on. I'm on big screen. Did you say you're using the um the pad? No, no, no. I have to use my phone for some reason. The pad. Ah, uh, oh, okay. Wasn't that's, active. That's um. Fine. So anyhow, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on 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 that. Well, no, one. that that's very interesting. I know just to, to chuck something on the back that occurred to me, actually, when you were saying that was that a lot of reports I've got from people with no skin in the game. Actually, now I've got a lot of big Black Panther, Black Leopard reports from people who very clearly seen them. But a lot of the reports I've had, they've said something unusual. It was about two feet long. It was about knee high. It was all black. I've never seen anything so big in the circle or when you mentioned the some of the melanistic uh, savannas getting into the, the feral population. Often they've been reported, a farmer called me from Yorkshire, said that there was often one in his field hunting rabbits because there were warrants there. But it was only knee high and only about two foot long. And he said to me, but it looked mature. It didn't look like a juvenile. And that stuck with me for a long time. First of all, I wondered if they were perhaps some elements of the population were getting smaller due to inbreeding or something like that. And then the savannah uh, aspect popped into my head. I thought perhaps this is what we're looking at. Some of these reports, not all. I've, I've had some pretty no, hefty close-up sightings. It, it, it's far yeah. more likely. I mean, if, if you listen to a lot of um, 
people on Facebook, of course, that that uh, obviously suggest that uh, our leopard population has actually grown a little bit more uh, human friendly as as well. So that, that oh, really? they, they wouldn't they wouldn't dream of attacking a person or a pet. Um, you know that that's you know they they're just displaying atypical leopard behaviour because it suits the agenda. But I think it suits the agenda because they're not leopards. Uh-huh. Um, more often than not. I only think this is why they're less frightened of the people, the, the ones that are seen. Mo- moving on from that, and, I, and I, I think that's, you know, that's a really good overview of that. I think it's a strong, you know, it's a strong theory. Um, invasive species, I'm wondering, I'm very interested in invasive species that become so endemic that we accept them as a natural part of the, you know, the fauna of the United Kingdom, like the grey squirrel, like the Canada yeah. goose. And I was in Bushy Park near um, uh, Hampton Court recently. That's near where I live. And there's a beautiful park there. You walk through and there's fish and ducks and herons and uh, all those lovely parrots, the rosary parakeets. And suddenly I see a crow pecking away at something in the corner. That's trying to nip its legs. I rush over and there's a huge Chinese midden crab just there near the pond. And of course, Chinese bunny crabs, that's an endemic invasive species that has occupied a lot of the Thames, but this is in a park, it's in the middle of a park, fighting a crow, and I thought, wow, and I got a bit of, I got, I'll share it, we got a little footage of it, um, and I just thought, wow, you know, and this is, this is such, a, such a strange phenomenon for the UK to have a crab that's basically in fresh water, surviving in fresh water year-round, every year. Mm-hmm. And it's even, you know, sort of wandering through the field, as it were. Um, what's what's your knowledge of, of the invasive species that have become established or, for, or perhaps something that's up and coming that you know about that you think will be endemic in years to come? Well, <laughs> I mean, there's quite a list, isn't there? Um, yeah. And they keep adding to it. Um, we... We tread a thin line here, mm. in all fairness, because the the options for them are very limited, as you might imagine. So um, we have to be fairly careful with what we say we're doing with stuff and, mm. and places that deal with certain invasive species are few and far between. You know, even just grey squirrels, it's mm. become more difficult to find anyone with a license um but we're not pest controllers no no uh, and and we don't we will never fill that role yeah even for crabs and crayfish and stuff we're not uh, we're not going down that road uh but we put animal welfare first and foremost yeah and you know you know if we can help an animal we will uh, so that, uh, that that at times causes us dilemmas, you know, mm. I, I, I have to say. I mean, I think there's some very real concerns that um, recently, I'd say recent, in the, in, in the past few years, animals like tanuki and mm. raccoons um, that have been subject to the legislation uh, could possibly become established there never used to be any risk of that before the legislation i must admit the legislation certainly topped it off Mm. and made it far more likely 
um, you know, which is not something to be proud of or impressed by. Because it, so, it intensifies the cost of, it makes it prohibitive, the cost of keeping these creatures, right? Well, to be honest with you, it, it's, the issues came, came from, uh, from breeders, to be honest with you. And unfortunately, within the exotic pet trade, then the breeding of species is usually done with the those that are easiest bred that can sell mm -hmm. quick and make a fast book okay. uh, and that that will you know that will attract the less scrupulous mm. of breeders and when you're talking about animals like tanukis then you know the, they are prolific breeders uh, you get large litters from them potentially and the, they they saw the market basically falling um, and, and, and they knew there wasn't anything that could be done about it. So they, oh, were, knocking, I see. So they were knocking them out to people um, at markets. Um, there's a market near me that was selling them and they were like, you know, I know 20 pounds for a pair. Wow. Just dogs, just keep them like dogs. You know, they just look just like raccoons, but you can keep mm. them just like dogs. Uh, and then, you know, obviously these animals grow up and people realise they've made a horrible mistake and <laughs> come home and the house is destroyed um uh but i mean the, the changes to the legislation in terms of people who had them um mm. pre-legislation change um i mean i'm in that boat i suppose the, there's not really any cost implications mm. um since the legislation changed the the only difference would be that if you i mean basically you'd have to live in a scenario where you should never have had one in the first place you know mm. it's like, like people that um live in bed sits that have dogs and stuff you know if, oh, wow. if you put yourself in that position then mm. you know it, it's not a great one for the animal mm. um so tanukis were no longer able to be taken out for walks um wow they're not supposed to be house pets, they're supposed to have a secure enclosure, they're not mm -hmm. supposed to be able to escape from the uh, immediate perimeter. So basically you need a secure yard or garden and they need an outdoor enclosure, uh, which which may have added costs to a lot of people. Mm. But to be honest with you, not many people actually kept a tanuki as a house pet. Um, okay. Anyone that knew what tanukis were about um, was usually put off from doing that. Okay. It was only the unsuspecting and 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 the um the very because they look cute, I guess they were good looking animal and oh yeah uh, yeah. yeah and, and they, they yeah. can be you know they can be kept just like dogs you can be lucky and you can get a very tame one and you can keep mm. it the house pet and you know it can be wonderful but, okay. but that's generally the exception to but the you were basically saying they need to be treated like wild animals that are but kept. What? In a you know in a secure setting, not as a house pet, not as a as um but, not as well, man's best friend, so to that's, speak. That's the mainly the legislation they need to be kept from a setting they can't escape from. So you need to make sure they can't just run out when you open your door yeah. type thing. So yeah, you know that. Uh, but in terms of them being a wild animal, you know the the, the only ones available. In the UK, of course, for many, many years, are, are captive bred ones, which are used to people. So, um, well, they, they are exactly the same as their wild counterparts, of course. They, they, they haven't suffered like dogs and cats okay. have. They're not mutants, but they, so they are 
you know the same animal you're basically um, saying they, they need a bit of careful handling and if you're not up for that task then they're not going yeah. to be some cute pet you could run to place i remember seeing um gosh, i think it was a lady local cafe that was petting a an african hedgehog oh right, yes and apparently that's a very popular pet now as well quite a docile hedgehog species to have and i just thought really i mean do you really need this you know um it seems strange to me it seems strange that such a they thing are is going on. They're not bad as pets, to, in, yeah. in all fairness, but we we are recently dealing with a lot that needs homes because, yeah, okay. again, you know, they go through trends. Um, I was only saying the other day, really, when you restrict the amount of mm. exotic pets available, exotic mammals, anyhow, which is predominantly the case, then people will go for the options that are available. Mm the options that are still left for them um so you, you know it, it, and has there been well, has there been a, a huge new restriction on exotic mammals well in terms of the invasive species legislation oh, yeah. so okay you've got stuff like raccoons koatis yeah. raccoon dogs chipmunks taken off the list um they were popular um so at the moment, we're dealing with a lot of skunk cases because I think a lot of people gravitated to skunks. Mm. So skunk breeders bred more skunks. Okay. Um, so consequently, we've got more skunks running around loose. Mm. Um, and that's not a coincidence. You know, you can see the trend there, really. So uh, what kind of numbers are we talking about, though, Mike? I mean, is it ones and twos or, you know, three, four a year, something like that for skunks? Uh, well, well, currently we've got, I think, five active skunk cases. Wow. Yeah. Um, the Tanuki cases have really dropped off. Mm. Um, you know, um, whether that means that the Tanukis that escaped that we didn't capture have now established themselves as wild animals and are just elusive. Okay. Um, or, or whether the Jaguars have eaten them all, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Or Bigfoot, of course. Um, yeah, what well, they 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 love they love tanukis, don't they? Toasted, preferably. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I yeah. would, have, would, have, would have thought that was scary. <laughs> I, I, I remember my 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 very first Bigfoot sighting actually in the UK. Oh, you do. Yeah, do you want to hear about it? Yes. <laughs> this is a joke, isn't it? Go on, go ahead. No, it's not a joke. No, oh, it's real. It's not, it's not a joke. Um, yeah, I, as you know, I was a psychiatric nurse many years and it mm. goes goes back to i think um i think i must have been a student nurse so you, you, okay. you, you go back like nearly 40 years um and, and i i trained in um an old victorian asylum in uh, just outside of leeds um and to get to it I, I was driving over um country roads lined with dry stone walls mm -hmm. effectively middle of nowhere went up a big hill coming down the other side of a big hill and big long stretch of road it must it must be it must be about a mile to a mile and a half long straight straight road no turns off or anything like that so i'm just going down this hill it's about half six in the morning um and i saw this creature standing um probably about three quarters of the way down the hill um looking straight at me it must have been standing seven to eight foot tall 
you've heard this before. Um, it was covered in um, brown shaggy hair. Mm -hmm. It was looking straight towards me, so I couldn't distinguish any facial features, but it, it was looking directly at me. Um, so, so bipedal. And as I got nearer to it, I found myself being completely unable to distinguish what it was. And I, I've always been involved with animals, mm. uh, or at least interested in animals all my life. I couldn't tell what this was. And I, I must admit, it reached the point where I thought, I don't know whether to go past it really quickly or stop and do a three-point turn and go around right. um, because it was really really weird and it was only when I got near enough that I could actually see and, and it, again you're talking about the sort of mid-80s mm. not many people kept llama in those days and I, I, even though I went over that hill mm. day in day out the people who had the small holding at the side of the road mm had invested in a llama that was stood with its front legs on the dry stone wall looking directly at me so I couldn't distinguish any snout or anything like that um, and that's what it was when I got mm -hmm. close to it I thought it's fucking llama I like my it's heart llama drama <laughs> yeah so um, I knew that must have been something else but I knew because I know you well and, and your thoughts on the genre so I thought well there's no way he's seen something I did um, uh, I did do it the other night though. Yeah. Yet again, I threw down the gauntlet. Um, somebody was offering to be uh, connected to Bigfoot. Uh, anyone that was interested, they would. Oh. And I said, I've thrown this gauntlet down many times. I will go out with you. No recording equipment, nothing yeah. like that. Obviously unarmed. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I will then, if you convince me, I, I will then go public. And I will speak out. Was that here in the UK? Yeah, yeah, okay. in support of of, of um, the existence of these yeah. in the UK. Um, I've not had a reply yet. No, <laughs> it's strange that. Yeah, Except, yeah you know, yeah, it's, it's a really funny sure. thing because, but no, it's but it's it's good because what I find often in the genre um, is that. And I've said this to quite a few people before. You know, my my journey to this has been one of I want to find animals that don't uh, that have not been proved to exist yet, or have been undiscovered, and so on and so forth, or animals we think we've lost. You know, like the thylacine mm -hmm. that still exists. So there's a strange thing in that I've attributed, and I love, and you're you're a psychiatric nurse. I love psychology, so I'm, I'm studying psychology books and read all these different bits and pieces all the time. I also did uh, studied uh, theology for my degree, um, and I was going to be a priest all these years ago. And uh, yeah, I know exactly that doesn't work on me. Uh, so <laughs> it's the opposite effect. So and then I, you know, um, years later I, I got married to somebody who's Jewish, and um, it was also in, into psychiatry and, and the rest of it. One, one of the funny things about it is that we've got similar religions, but we can come away with a very different perspective of the same event mm. based upon those religious, you know, uh, outlooks. And it's very, it's very educational to see that happening, to get that other view that's not too dissimilar to your own. And in the modern world, 
there's not a lot of corporate religion. So there is a sort of a gap and people yes. fill it in with interests. And one of the interests from the Bigfoot side of things and other bits of cryptozoology sometimes has philosophy, philosophical outlook attached to it. Mm -hmm. You know, like the way I think they've come from a portal or their aliens brought them or it's, you know, it's a flesh and blood animal, whatever it is. And that's why people get so offended. I figured out because you're insulting their religion. You're offending them and questioning yeah. their, a, a pseudo religious belief. And that's why they get mad at you because you're basically saying, I don't believe your God is the true God. Yeah. And that sort of irks people. <laughs> However, um, and, and, you know, it, it, it's a well-known quote. If, if people are made, making extraordinary claims, yeah, absolutely. then the onus is on them to provide extraordinary absolutely. evidence if they want people to believe them. And, and there's no extraordinary evidence. Um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's a weird one, really. But it, uh, even big cats has gone like that. That's, you know, I, and I despair sometimes. It's a lot like, of arguments. A lot of can't argue. Yeah. Can't argue. How dare you? How, how dare you? I believe in big cats. And it's like, well, what does that mean? It's like saying I believe in foxes or owls or something. Yeah. You know, uh, you know. Field mice. I believe in field mice. Yeah. You don't believe in field mice. And it's obviously because really? you're from the government, Mike. Yeah, you're trying to convince us field mice don't exist. Oh, I've I've got I've got an anecdote about that. <laughs> I'm 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 going back. Um, I'm going back <laughs> a little bit to what, to um, the the more shadowy days of Beast Watch, where oh, yeah. the sort of cases we took weren't um, weren't necessarily flesh and blood creatures. Okay. Um, Is this yeah. the Dimension Five? Thing. There was, you had, they had a group, didn't you, for a while? Well, well, I, I don't know about we, but yeah, yeah, Beast Watch did. Um, yeah, uh, but th 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 there was there was a, a big cat sighting witness mm. who I um, I was struggling to get out to to interview, to be honest mm. with you, because they lived somewhere that I, I I didn't frequent very much, but it was like generally speaking, my my sort of area, northwest, and. I, I got an opportunity to um, to go and visit them, which simply because it coincided with um, the funeral of a work colleague. Um, it, it, it does get funnier than this. Uh, yeah. but, uh, so what you tell them? So. Yeah. <clears throat> so I had a rain. I, I, I got the train through and, and stuff to, to go to the funeral because quite clearly we'll be all going to the wake afterwards and, and you know uh, it, it wasn't a particularly sad affair it was, it was someone who'd long retired it, it was an old person okay. who okay. died um natural causes there was yeah. no sort of expression everybody of, was going to to pay their respects uh so yeah everyone uh, everyone's just going there to, to pay the respects for for someone that was a really good colleague and i'd arranged um with uh, a colleague of mine I, you know, I've, I've got this. Um, I, I didn't go into detail about what it was, but I've I've, I've got somebody to see after this. Any chance you could drop mm. me off? And he said, "Well, I'm dropping a few of the lads off um, back at the train station afterwards. Mm. I'll, I'll drop you off on the way." Anyhow, we pulled up outside this um, this woman's house, and 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 this guy. Had um, I mean, he was showing off really. He, he, he recently bought this 
completely blacked out Range Rover. Okay. Okay. This brand new completely blacked out Range Rover. With your windows and everything. Uh huh. And I got okay. to the front door, and this woman's jaw just <laughs> hit the ground. And I thought, what, 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 what's this about? And I looked round, and because we'd stopped there, the fellas got out for a fag. Yeah. He wouldn't let them smoke in the car. And there's these five guys stood around the car, all with black suits, black tie, white shirts, sunglasses uh -huh. on, and I'm dressed exactly the same. And uh, I thought, oh, I'm my black. God. <laughs> and, I, and I, I'm quite convinced she thought I was going to say, you just need to come for a short ride with us. <laughs> and... <laughs> You didn't see anything, did you? So what did you see again? I saw nothing. <laughs> and uh, I'm going back before Men in Black were aliens. You know, yeah. either aliens or robots. Now you can't mm. get a sensible conversation out of anyone, can you? But uh, I just said, I'm sorry. I've just been dropped off. I've just been to a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> and the sense of relief on this woman's face. Wow. I must buy the thought we, we were, uh, you know the real thing over yeah. the complete maniacs who come like, to shut her up basically like yeah. live action role play or something we just like yeah. dressing up uh, wow. to frighten people but yeah i mean the guys that stood by the uh, range rover didn't know anything about it they, they, no they no even sure. know they didn't even know they wouldn't even even have got the joke to be honest with no me. and it was like oh dear god and I, I, that only came back to me a few weeks ago and i thought wow. oh yeah, that was funny. It was a funny it's, moment, briefly you know, funny moment. But I managed to talk my way out of it. There's uh, there's lots of wonderful things like it, but it shows you the way that people's minds work. And uh, being a psychiatric nurse, you understand that really well. And you understand when you're talking to somebody they can no longer be reasoned with, right? Yeah. So what do you what do you do in those situations? Because um, and uh, out of respect for. 99.9% .9 of all the people I talk to and all the witnesses I talk to, which is international, it's global, um, they're very lucid, they're very reasonable. But there is that, you know, 0.0001% where the person has, has, is affected in some way uh, with some delusion of some kind or some, some mental health issue. Not even always a mental health issue, to be honest with you. Not to put a, you know, to cast aspirations on people who are suffering with that, mm -hmm. but they cannot be reasoned with. So, no, I, how I do you normally it, deal with that from a psychiatric point of view? What, what do well, you do I, when people can't be reasoned with? I don't think it is necessarily a psychiatric condition. You know, I, I, you know, uh, like I say, it's it, it's pretty akin to religious conviction, mm. religious belief in in that way. You know, it, it, even though the the views, if you if you know if you write them down or whatever, are quite preposterous in in some yeah. respect, without any evidence to back it up. But it, it's a belief system, um, so arguing against it is is, is futile. Mm. Usually, um, somebody wants to set themselves up for ridicule, then um, you know I, I I don't think that's uh, an unnatural response. But mm. um, to, to be honest with you, but I mean, for example. The, the, the extent of sighting reports of whatever, just just add animal X to, to that box. Nessie or something like that. Whatever, yeah. whatever. And, and, and we rely on sighting reports from the public all the time, mm. constantly. Obviously, you know, we put posts out there. This has yeah. escaped. We need information quickly. Uh, ring this number if you see this animal type of stuff. Now, 
I did that a few years ago because I was under the impression my fox had escaped. Mm. And this was during the day. Um, this was during the day. Unfortunately, my fox looks a lot like a red fox. Um, looks a lot like a native species, which kind of confuses what I'm going to say a little bit, but okay. not much. Um, I followed about eight or nine eyewitness reports around the local community of I've just seen a fox jump over my back fence. This is the middle of the day. We don't have foxes. It's not like London. Mm. We, don't, we don't have daytime foxes here. Oh, there's loads of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tons of yeah. Them. yeah. Definitely. And it, it, it varies considerably. Uh, we don't have an urban fox issue here. Yeah. We have foxes on the borders of what becomes okay. They're all, they're all country foxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. more or less. I mean, yeah. semi-rural at least. Uh, and I, I know that there is one dog fox local to me, and, and, and I've seen a couple of other foxes about. And I, I've got a job that I drive around all hours of the night. Um, you know, so, so I, I know there's not loads of them. One person said that they were walking through a park um on the side of a busy cycle and footpath and there was a fox just stood in the bushes watching people now i knew straight away that wasn't my fox because he hates people um but i also thought that's not a wild fox either you know unless yeah. it's got possibly got toxo then that's very unusual behavior in the middle of the day for somewhere that doesn't have a, a daytime fox population um but i i, I followed lots of sighting reports Basically, I was out for about six hours on okay. foot, going round with 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 a catch pole and and chasing these things, only to find that my my fox had found a new place to hide. He'd, he'd okay. never never left his um, enclosure. He hadn't escaped the secure perimeter. There wasn't any security issues back at home, um, and I. I, I Put a post up to this effect just basically mm. about the, the validity of sighting reports and a, a, a woman i know said she had the same situation with uh, skunks she had mm. and she, she kept uh, a number of skunks outdoors the, so they had um, for enrichment they had like a tunnel system mm. um dug into the garden and stuff like that and she said okay. one of her foxes one of her skunks had escaped and she followed a trailer sighting reports for this skunk that was later just found to have died of natural causes in one of these tunnels in the garden. But lots of sighting reports came. So, up. what psychologically speaking, what is that phenomenon? What is it called that makes people want to join in almost? As you said, it's not always a mental health affectation. And earlier, no, by the way, I wasn't no. casting that aspersion onto people, only just to say, as somebody's dealt with people they can't be reasoned with. Uh -huh. How do you deal with that? But moving on from that, what is that called when members of the public suddenly say, I haven't seen anything, but I'm just going to answer on this <laughs> notice board. I'm just going to call into the radio station and say, I've seen it. What, what, what's that called? Why do people do that? I spoke to them on the phone. Yeah, I think yeah. these people genuinely believe that they've, they've, they've seen something. Um, that's, that's what I don't understand. I can't believe that I think they, they it's not they conscious. They being helpful. It was, a, mm. you know, it, it was... A, a conscious decision. I don't think anyone, any one of the people I spoke to, certainly I don't think any of them made the call um, maliciously or, no. you know, 
point of view of hoaxing it or anything like that. I don't think they hallucinated a fox. I, no. I honestly can't explain it, but it just shows you when people say they've seen stuff, mm. you know, it, it's not necessarily the case that they have. Yeah. And it doesn't mean they're insane. Uh, you know, it, it's no. sort of, you know, <laughs> I, I very rarely said someone's insane. Um, you know, um, but quite clearly the human eye isn't perfect. No, uh, of course not. But it's also not, it's not, um, um, the human eye okay, can record valid sightings and details as well. Now, you oh. mentioned something very important in that respect, really, which was the, the mistaken sighting of a llama. And mm. you didn't know what you were looking at because it was sort of face on to you. But, you know, you couldn't see, I suppose, the, the back legs were on the floor and the, the front legs were on the wall. Um, at that time, clearly, back in those days, you probably weren't thinking, is that a Bigfoot? You just, your mind couldn't put together the mental image. And I always oh, talk oh. to people about the um, uh, about the Aztecs seeing uh, the Spanish ships and thinking they were floating mountains because your mind makes up what it knows. It sort of puts that, plucks out that, that part of your mental library that you understand and places it almost sort of as a collage piece over what you're looking at saying is that it maybe that is that a platoon or is that a, a bigfoot or some hairy creature i i'd imagine back then you probably thought that was a guy in a ghillie suit or something weird like that right <laughs> I, mean, I don't think he even got that far but oh, you know, yeah if i'd been driving you know across from that and and, and seeing it in the distance i don't know what my imagination would have filled in yeah. the gap it was only because I was approaching it, couldn't mm -hmm. escape from it, and got nearer and nearer until I could identify it, and, and the animal didn't move. Yeah. Uh, but um, the other day, um, the other night actually, unfortunately the motorway was too busy for me to stop, but I saw um, what appeared to be uh, a big white wolf stood on the verge of the M6. Wow. Now, I am sure it was just litter, um, huh. but I, w I would usually, I would usually like to have stopped, even if it's on the motorway. You know, mm. you know, if, if, if shoulder, yeah. If it's empty, you know, and yeah. I actually re even reversed back and, and and just checked it out. But I was going past; it was like 60, 70 miles an hour, and there was a lot of heavy traffic on the on. The, it's Christmas, isn't it? So yeah, the. the Wagons all day and all night at the moment. So uh, that that was the last time I was on nights, um, and that's exactly what it looked like. You know, wow. I am convinced it was probably the wrapping that comes mm. up the the backs of lorries and and what have you. But that's exactly what it looked like for the two two and a half seconds that I saw it. That's the sense my mind made of that sight. Um, and I think it just pays to know how people's minds work, really. That That is, mm. we are pattern-seeking mammals and, and we will go for... A, oh, I mean, uh, the reams of pareidolia online will... will absolutely. Yeah, that speaks to that completely. Yeah, well, um, we, we see human faces, we interact with faces, mm. we um, communicate with faces. It's, it's why we're obsessed with touching animals' faces when they don't like it. Mm. Um, but we see faces in clouds and fires in trees in, in, in you know in, in rocks yeah. and all sorts um, because that's how our minds work which, that's how our minds make sense of things and it's not always helpful 
it's not always helpful if you're a member of a Bigfoot group um, or a Dogman group. Um, you, you really need to change change your hobby. Uh, but it's um, yeah, and, and to be honest with you, ninety nine percent of them explained away. Yeah, very I, in those terms. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's that. Yeah, that's very reasonable. I suppose, and I asked this question to somebody the other day. Um, who attended a lot of Bigfoot conferences and um, uh, and they actually put on a very fun act in these conferences, you know, with puppets and, and things like that. It was oh, entertainment. Yeah. Is he recently? You, no, you, I have. I, I think you'll interview, I think you'll interview eight in about a week, actually. Um, yes, just, yeah, just get a few in before Christmas. <laughs> I'll log out then for another six months to get back to the book. But, yeah. you know, obviously I have to, I, I, I talk to a lot of people and investigate a lot of sightings that have previously been recorded as well over the years, and you you have to try to get some some idea of who that person is, how they feel about certain subjects, you know, what skin they have for the game, Bigfoot on the brain, all that other kind of stuff as well. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't exclude somebody. And I did mention this something today. If you're out looking for Bigfoot and you find it, well, that shouldn't invalidate your sighting because you went looking for it. But it does mean that extra proof is needed. You, know, you have to validate your whole journey, all the steps you took to get there, the, the footage, the metadata, you know, you, you have to submit so much in the way of proof just to have something like that accepted because you have skin in the game. You found what you were looking for yeah. and you've got a channel or you've got a book or something else like that. And it actually caused me to say a few years ago that I hoped I never did see one. I, I would hope never to have a sighting because as soon as I did, I'm not in a, yeah. I'm not in an objective book, enough. But yeah, my objectivity is gone. You yeah. know, whereas well, most of the other researchers, I know they're, they're witnesses. I'm not a witness. I've never seen anything I could even class as unusual. You, you won't do either. Um, but the um, people point out to me occasionally, I'm, I'm a few months older than the Patterson-Gimlin footage. Okay. And I remember seeing that first when I was about six, mm. something like that, and it terrified me, absolutely terrified me. Um, and I've, I've followed that since, to mm. be honest with you, uh, and have reached the stage now that I'm not even going to debate how good a suit it was or whether mm. that suit was actually achievable in that era uh, or whether it was even a good suit, to be honest with you, um, or whether a human being can walk like that. Um, I, I don't think that's even a valid proposition. I, I think the most telling aspect of that is that... Are we going to say that, gone? couple of rednecks with a book due out saw the animal that's actually drawn on the front cover of the book and uh, he does have a, a, an animal breast on the book that was due, that came out beforehand yeah and, and yeah. He, he was due another one for a subject that nobody was interested in at the time yeah. um with um with a cine camera and despite the advances in technology and the amount of people looking for it since the most noticeable thing about it is it's America and there's dollar signs attached to it. And I think it's a complete load of nonsense. Um, that's where I've come after 55 years of my journey. Um, yeah. It uh, is very interesting. And it's, it's, you see, as 
spreads actually anything that you're passionate about all right mike's passionate about beast watch and he's if if he gets funds and donations that goes into beast watch and it solely goes on the animals and their care because that's how it works in the uk i used and to be passionate you... about um about patty as well to be fair no no of course but what i'm just saying the difference between the two cultures which is quite different whereas in the us i've noticed you can be passionate about the subject but also make it a mercantile adventure uh adventure i mean where you are making money where you're selling merch where you're capitalizing on the thing that you're looking to and nobody thinks it's weird it's sort of just that's cool well and yeah, it's odd to me yeah. because i'm half in that zone and half out of it i write books and i sell them well, uh, yeah. i try to make them as genuine as possible um without sensationalism but there's also the aspect where you want people to know and hear about the book and and buy it. And you're walking this fine line all of the time, you know, and thankfully not falling into this content trap. But a lot of people do. And I think that's the main reason for what we see on Facebook and other places. They have pages, they have products and content is needed constantly. Yeah. And where are they going to get it from? Absolutely. Sensationalism. Sensationalism. And yeah. it's exactly the same with anything that tries to provide entertainment it is actual research goes out the window doesn't it i mean yeah. you, know, you can see that with paranormal investigations oh, yeah. I, I, I used to work with a ghost you know and um i've never heard a paranormal investigator come up with a a story that even touches on, on on that sort of thing, you know what I mean? And it's just like um, Did you say you used to work with the ghost. I used to work with the ghost, yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. And Not alongside. He wasn't in like accounts or something. It, <laughs> <laughs> it was a haunted um, premise or something like that. At the same time, every morning we used to hear keys jangling. Yeah. We used to hear um, the metal doors clanging shut and being locked. Metal gates that weren't there anymore. Mm -hmm. And he used to let himself on the ward. And we used to see him walk on the ward. Oh, Victorian um, Hospital, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, um, you know, one one day I followed him um, and followed him into what was, it, uh, in my days, the, yeah. the dormitory area. And he, he, he just mm. suddenly wasn't there anymore. Um, you know, I mean, a typical sort of stone recording earth recording the stone whatever, recorder yeah yeah whatever you want to call it i mean but i mean that can't be replicated by science you know you think there'd be thousands of people uh, being seen uh, yeah, that was the case wouldn't you? Is I mean, the you problem, isn't it how would yeah. you replicate that and you know i've looked into that because i'm very skeptical about the ghost thing and it's you know, we, we, people who live in glass houses right but still um i'm quite skeptical about that side of things and ufology things and i that makes sense to me, the stone recorder, because the replay kind of, action, yeah. it makes it's logical, but it Ooh. seems to be, to me, like it's a get out of jail free card, essentially. Ooh. And if, if we could replicate it, I mean, we don't understand how it happened, mm, but no, we does, don't. It does seem to yeah. be the replay of someone's action yeah. repeated over many years. That's what it appears to be, and that that that, that is what my sighting. Certainly, and, and and there were multiple witnesses. Obviously, yeah, there. I've heard of things like that. Other people could see it too. And mm -hmm. I, when I was new to the ward, I was like, "Who's that?" And they go, "That's the ghost." <laughs> what? <laughs> but I mean, in those days, you know, there were no mobile phones, there were no yeah. no cameras in the place, and it was like, just got on. You saw it. You saw it. 
what did it look like? Was it did it look like just like a person, or was it yeah. translucent? Did it look like a, sh a faded image? That's what I'm wondering. Um, from what I remember, look yeah. looked solid. All yeah. I remember was it was it was definitely a man, fairly big man, in in an overcoat, no facial features. But as soon as he came on the ward, he turned his back to us. Uh, uh, I don't remember legs, but that doesn't mean he he was gliding or anything. I I, I seem to remember him. You know, walking at walking pace and stuff. I didn't see anything particularly unusual about this, apart from the fact he wasn't there. You know, mm. that was the only, the only. That's unusual fairly unusual. Yeah. <laughs> fairly unusual, yeah. But I mean, uh, not the, not the only ghost story um, related to the um, the asylum, nor my nursing career. But I mean, that that was uh, that was certainly quite a memorable one. Um, but not scary, and that was in daylight. You know, lights yeah. on. We didn't have to turn all the lights off and put night vision goggles on and run around screaming to actually uh, see it, um, you know, so it wouldn't have made good telly. It's uh, amazing how, you know, how much that night vision helps the fear. Oh, you know? well, yeah. Because they can't see anything, you know, the cameraman's the, the, cameraman's the guy with the night vision. Yeah, Everybody else yeah. is in the dark wrapping their pants, aren't they? Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing I've seen most in night vision in my 55 years, it's probably a vet fielding, um, you know, despite the number of animals I've looked for. Um. <laughs> There's a great Billy Connolly sketch actually on, um, he does the impression of the guy, that, he's dead now, isn't he? The scouse guy he used to talk to the guy, you know, the, oh, the spirit guy sales, next to him. Derek. And, with Derek. And uh, uh, it was weird because he's got, well, he's got sort of, um, He's got that sort of aura of a Scouse drag act about him somehow. Oh, very Or he had it, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, weirdly. And you could see he'd been a sort of, I had a feeling that he was once like a Butlin style performer at some point in his career. You get the weird feeling. If you've been to them kind of holiday camps when you were a kid, mm. that weird feeling about a uh, red coat sort of feeling about him. Um, does that make sense to you? It's ringing a bell, well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a yeah. dreadful voice. Poor entertainer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. basically. I'm a charlatan, of course, a complete charlatan. Yeah, well, we're I talking went, now. I went to see a stage show once. Actually. Oh, did you? Mm. Yeah, I did, yeah. Did you ever see the comedian, oh, I forget his name now, and he used to, one of these method comedians, method actor types, where he would completely embody a character, and uh, I can't even, he did a fake psychic show, basically. It's one of his acts that he did in this. I don't even remember his name anymore. And he would, basically find out all the names of the people in the audience and then um, ask them, you know, if you lost anybody recently and um, or he'd just shout things at the audience and he'd say, Sharon, and some girls say, I'm Sharon. And he'd say, um, I feel your shame, I feel your pain, but you're not to blame. How are you to know that dogs couldn't feed themselves? You deserve that holiday. <laughs> and he'd move on to the next one and say something really, you know, completely um and toward it was amazing and found you know for half of it you could see that they just he had them they weren't getting that he was a basically mocking yeah. them for entertainment which is horrible i know i'm not saying there's nothing there but again talking about the religious perspective on things that's often really affected by your your outlook and your view and what you want things oh, yeah. to be and yeah, that's i've got no spiritual view mm. you know, i don't mm. believe in a life after death i don't think ghosts to you know lost souls I, you know because i don't think there's anything beyond death yeah possibly you know 
I mean, it's a nice thought that consciousness somehow lives on after death, but there's, there's nothing to suggest it does, and no reason to suggest why we'd be different to any other animal or plant mm. or uh, on the planet. And it would be a very crowded place, of course, because you know we've got 99% of all species that have ever been on the planet are now extinct. So mm. it's a very crowded place. Um, uh, so no, I mean it's not based with any sort of bias like that. So no, and I, if somebody has those views, it does influence mm-hmm. what they think, which is is evident when you hear some uh, paranormal people speaking as well. Yeah, we had a um, anecdote time. We had we had an all night vigil on Canic Chase a few years back, um, which we used as a Beast watch training exercise yeah. in some respect, like, like radio training and map work and uh, yeah, uh, great basic orienteering and stuff. But of course, Calic Chase is just you know it's just amazing, isn't it? It, it, it? It's a beautiful place and mm-hmm. it is you know a hotbed of mysterious goings on and stuff. Um, that so, I mean that to me, I feel like going to Calic Chase is um, I'm not not for you guys, but I, I know a lot of people have gone there to report a lot of things but the amount of tension and focus that's on it for the myriad variety of different phenomena oh yeah it does seem to me sometimes like you know riding the ghost bus in london when you come to london and going to all the haunts and expecting to see something because it's a sort of it it's not a tourist a facility but it's got that aspect to it the same way that loch ness has it's like loch ness you know yeah why we're not seeing the monster? You know, we've paid mm. a lot of money for this trip. Yeah, exactly. We still haven't seen the monster. So after, after I pushed a load of black-eyed kids out of the way, yeah. I, I went uh, looking for snakes, um, as I do. Oh, you know, um, yeah, it was a great place for that. Um, of adders or grass snakes? Adders, adders. Yeah. Um, saw some adders anyhow. Awesome. Um, and then we all hit the pub, but. Um, we were joined by a load of psychics that night, and it was like, um, okay, well, let's bring it on. Um, so, you know, I, I wasn't expecting to just to catch a werewolf or anything particularly. No. no, that wasn't. You know, I didn't have room in the in the shed for one or anything, so I, I hadn't made any. The tanukis, anyway. Yeah. Room for your, yeah. your new werewolf. Stocked up on steak or something before yeah. I went. Um, They're all right when it's normal, but it's a full moon, so you've got to worry about it. Yeah, most of the time, you keep them in the house. Yeah, tight so everything. They and and to be honest with you, the funny bunch, and I I, um, I can't remember who they were to be honest with you, but they we ended up um, with a situation where they were coming back from a certain area. I mean, this we were there all night, literally overnight, and I could sit on Canic Chase all night. Mm. on my own and, and I wouldn't be bothered by anything to be honest with you apart from people I'd, I'd rather there were no people about that's what you got to really worry about is the people um but uh, otherwise it won't bother me but they, they came like rushing back from this part of the woodland and mm. like oh no you can't can't go down there that's like you know oh no we need we need to move from this area there's a real bad presence and it's like why are we here that's exactly where we need to be then, isn't it? You know, and um, they weren't happy about it, but they yeah. set up one of these, you know, these badly tuned in radios um, that are supposed to pick up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
from the dead, uh, EVPs or whatever. EVP. Yeah. yeah. Um, and well, that was none. I listened to that. For, uh, entertained me for about thirty-three seconds. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and I, I kind of got the impression there wasn't going to be anything conclusive coming from this. Um, so yeah, I, I basically went off looking for black-eyed yeah. kids, you know, hoping I could catch one. Um, but we. It, it, it was, Did you find any mistakes? I mean, that's the that's the question. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I had another experience down on Canic Chase, which which was really really quite um, strange, if you like, and which I I have added to our documentation okay. as possible big cat. Uh, yeah, that was a bit of a weird one. I just uh, in the year before COVID hit. Um, some friends I, I do visit Canic Chase with occasionally to look for snakes um, sent me some pictures saying thought you might be interested in this and, and there were uh, pictures of lots of large animal bones mm. within a, a, a small area obviously from different for, for more than one mm. dead animal um, I was like well yeah well, all right, that's, that's a bit weird sort of thing um and so well it, it it does get weirder uh we've got some other pictures um and they sent me these other pictures which were like of women's clothes on coat hangers in in in, in these bushes um with, with like suggestive notes on them and stuff and it was like oh, oh great you know that that's nothing to do with big cats um yeah, so, well, de well, definitely, but but it, it it does lend an important aspect to the story because I I went down there, um, not not specifically, but I had some free time, so I actually went down there on my own uh, to look for some snakes. I thought I'll, I'll check this. Out. I knew where it was, uh, so check it. Out. And there's just a little lay-by at the side of the road, and you literally walk through a gap in the bushes uh, into like a. a a, a chamber, a completely mm. enclosed wooded chamber, um, and there weren't many bones about. There were a few small animal bones mm. knocking about. Um, you know, I wasn't even really thinking that. You know, I'm, I'm there for uh, some sort of big cat investigation or anything like that. It was just really, I'll check this out, and then you know, I'm going to go look for some snakes. Uh, and 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 there were these. Um, I say women's clothes. I can't imagine any women being seen dead in them, to be honest with you. Um, but quite clearly, I think there were some some individuals who enjoy dressing up in in bushes um, okay. and who don't have much taste in clothing. Because I mean, these had been hanging there for some time. They had mold on them, growing wow. on you know okay. moss moss growing on them. So um, well, thankfully, they weren't in current use. Uh, well, yeah, well, I hope, I certainly hope not. Anyhow, I, I, um, I, I was exploring. There was, there was like a, 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 a way out of, of, of this little chamber to the side, and I could hear walking towards me, as in getting louder, mm. uh, a quadruped. I could hear it breathing, and I, I must have been downwind of it. Um, when I checked, I, I, I would have been downwind of it. So it was completely oblivious to me. Uh, and it was walking towards me and it, it sounded, to all intents and purposes, I thought, 
Oh, Christ. It, it's some bloody stupid Labrador's going to come bouncing through here any minute and there's going to be an owner behind it. And I'm not going to start explaining who I am when I'm stood in these bushes surrounded by all these um, <laughs> women's clothes in an obvious dogging area. Uh, and oh, suggest, oh, I suggest I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in big cats and I'm, uh, I'm just looking for bones. Sounds like um, a euphemism, yeah. Yeah, you've got to be careful yeah. what you use. Anyhow, I'd, I'd sort of gone halfway through this, um, this, this way out the back of the bushes and I thought, I'm not going to get caught here because <laughs> it was literally just as wide as I was uh, to get through. And I thought, you, you don't know what a dog's going to be like Sounds when he's... Yeah, well, if you surprise them, and they're, yeah, once they're all, I mean, they can be very defensive, sure. So I thought I will move back and make room for it at least. And I moved back, and I must have made a noise moving back, and the sounds just stopped. Hmm. Stopped completely. It was deadly silent. There wasn't a bird song, anything. There was nothing. Stopped completely. Didn't hear anyone whistle for the dog. Didn't hear a dog run away. Didn't hear anything move. The noise just stopped from a fairly, what seemed wow. like a fairly heavy bodied, uh, like I say, in my mind's eye, I had some sort of Labrador sized dog, could hear it breathing, walking towards me, um, the noise just stopped. And I did what any, any, any Beast Watch volunteer would do without hesitation. And I thought, this is weird. So I went through the bushes to check it out. <laughs> Um, and it, it opened up, it opened up in a big wide woodland, but mm. a very dense canopy. There was no branches up until probably about 10 foot. So you could see all the way around, mm. but there was a complete ceiling on it. Um, really weird, really um, completely covered over the top. Um, but I could, you know, and, and the trees weren't big trees, you know, there weren't, you know, there weren't something. You know, an animal could just step behind and I wouldn't uh -huh. see it. And I was filled with a sense of complete dread. Mm. I thought, I need to get out of here now. Never felt like that. I've, I've been in the middle of nowhere loads of times okay. on my own. And I just thought, I need to get that predator vibe. out of here now. The only yeah. place I didn't look actually was up uh, in the trees above my head. Um, and I got out of there really. Uh, the van was only part the other side of this bush, mm. I didn't have anywhere to go. But I, I got out of there, got in the van, thought, fuck this, and I, I just drove off. But I only drove about half a mile down the road, and then I got out and I went looking for snakes in the middle of nowhere on my own, <laughs> completely nonplussed by that. Yeah, and it was only later I thought, you know, I wasn't sat in a pub shaking and knocking whiskeys back mm. i thought what happened there that was a bit weird <coughs> and um i mean it depends who you talk to i mean other people might put it down to other entities of course yeah but, i mean your uh, body um, your body hit went on to automatic pilot you got a predator alert and you got I, out that's how it felt i mean yeah. it, it may have been completely imaginary but like i say it's out of character for it to be imaginary without any stimulus i mean there was nothing didn't see anything, didn't hear anything after that. Um, nothing else happened to me, but I knew I had to get out of there immediately. Um, yeah, yeah. And it, it was, I, I was scared as soon as I got in the van, 
drove off, wasn't scared. And also, some, for somebody with your experience, that that's significant because you're not scared of the woods, you're comfortable. And yeah, uh, as you I said mean, before, you would stay all night there by yourself and not even worry. You kind of chase. So, it really bother me. In fact, I, to be honest with you, when I was rooting through the book, I was more concerned that I'd be found in with the women's uh, clothes. Yeah, in, in in the bushes with women's yeah. clothes hung up. Well, I mean, and, coming on the show and talking about it, you've you've obviously given yourself yeah, one hell of an yeah. alibi now. You're you're home free. <laughs> I feel much better getting that off my chest. <laughs> um, but I I, didn't, I wasn't even thinking big cats. In all yeah. honesty, even though that was why I was there, as soon as I saw, mm. well, there's not really any bones to even look at here. They had, you know, the tiny little bits of bone. Mm. Couldn't do anything with them. Couldn't even, you know, nothing worth picking up or bagging or anything. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't even thinking big cat. And then it was just like, uh, you know, I can hear, hear something you. walking towards me. Yeah, I think that's an amazing story. And more, all mm. the more convincing because of the opinions you hold on the subject. And... Um, and for the, the frighteners, you, you get the frighteners. I'm actually impressed by that. Um, just before, briefly, terrified, yeah. just before we, we uh, wrap up, I, I've always wanted to know what's the strangest exotic breed you've had to go out and rescue? What's the strangest thing, like a one off? Oh, um. well, in terms of stuff I've actually had to go out and rescue then that narrows it down a bit. I mean, we've certainly had some strange, team, even. strange, strange cases come up. Mm. You know, it, it's been a good summer for them. We've had the couple of reports from the Lake District of, um, you know, a, a, a goose being swallowed whole mm. and, um, you know, crocodile sighting and stuff. Yeah. They're, they're, they're really quite good. I, I still like getting my teeth into stuff like that. And one of the hardest things, to be honest with you, we, we've tried to rescue is... is, is dead bodies from canals and stuff they're, they're really really tricky um, animal bodies now we're talking about animal dead animals yeah, yeah. yeah. you know um been a couple of dead dog cases and stuff like oh, that we, we've been involved in uh, so they're awkward and, and you know um logistically mm. difficult um if you're talking about an, an actual really weird animal Mm. Uh, like if you had to go out and find some sort of giant coconut crab in the forest of Dean or, or something like that. <laughs> what I'm about. Um, well, it, it was our responder that found the um, roadkill um, porcupine. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, supposed, there was supposed to be three of them. Um, but, you know, I, I sent that information to, to DEFRA because... Mm. We got people, a team on the ground looking for that, and and it was one of our responders that found it as roadkill. That's that's quite unusual. You don't get a lot of them. Um, we've had a team on a marmoset sighting, uh -huh. uh, which actually started off as a Facebook post, and the, you know, we, we took very careful analysis of the video and we agreed it it, it was the real thing it was it was definitely a mama's mm -hmm. running about um and they heard its calls while they were down there they were playing calls and it was answering the calls never saw anything um, mm -hmm. that never came of anything um wallabies are one of the most difficult things to effectively hang on to the tail of and, and keep hold of um 
they've got very very strong legs mm. they're very difficult um i'm no longer intimidated by geese or swans doesn't no. matter yeah um, <laughs> but uh cobra geese it, 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 it's really very difficult that i mean the um we, we had a team in london that responded to um an abandoned snake which okay. we were basically analyzing the the video footage that had been sent and we were saying this if this is a snake that this this is one huge snake this is 20 odd feet really this. or like a, a, a rock python or something yeah i mean this is you know a real wow. thick bodied snake you know you gotta be careful here that this is uh, and it was um it, it was a flood barrier uh, just just the way it had been filmed um, yeah yeah was very convinced we, we couldn't tell and we have to respond mm. wow. so uh, sometimes it's it, it, it's the more uh, more dubious ones that you I mean it was it was perhaps all the most memorable yeah it was good that it turned out to be something else really for the team yeah okay yeah, yeah. Yeah, 20 foot rock python could uh or whatever the, the species is could certainly uh, be difficult to handle absolutely yeah <laughs> very very difficult to to restrain you know we've um yeah. it, it, it was warm warm weather as well of course so it, it, wow. it would have been quite active okay. But, okay. yeah we so uh, i mean our cases do vary but typically we deal with a lot of um bird cases that's been impacted by the avian yeah. flu pandemic mm. you know that that's that's a real big one for us you know we're talking about real practical stuff now you know um all cryptozoology jokes aside um you know um by the time you've you've dealt with four or five phone calls about injured pigeons and stuff you know yeah. anything becomes remarkably welcome as, as different <laughs> you know, even if it's just a corn snake loose um yeah so the, you don't you don't always get the variety but like i say we do we, we do get we do still get the odd um interesting report you know the, uh, the skunk cases are always good they keep you on your toes mm. um a lot of exotic birds going missing mm. but in terms of searches and captures you've got to be very lucky most of them are never ever seen again which is oh really, really? yeah you know you think they're uh, predated upon or they, they just fly off and make their, yeah. their way into the, <coughs> into well, the some of them some of them are, i mean if you're talking about you know species that could survive like mm. eagle owls and yeah uh, other owl species, eagle species, hawk species, and stuff, then they can possibly hold their own if they're not handicapped by um, mm. wearing jessies and stuff uh, and having lines attached. Um, but your parrots and your budgies and your canaries and yeah, all it. that stuff, no, I mean, that, that that's literally just feeding the native population, okay. um, which is pretty sad, really, but there, there's not much hope for okay. them. Uh, so, but to the extent where we've, we've had to re um, how we deal with bird cases because there was just okay. that. Just it's that. a lot of man hours yeah. and power for little results. Well, absolutely, yeah. Mm. So we we had to um, put our efforts where it was 
that's paid off fairly. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, but it, um, I mean, it's sad. You know, we will still respond if if there's a possibility of recapturing an animal. Absolutely. But, uh, and I'd love to see you guys take on an eagle owl and get that back in the cage. Goodness. Um, well, what's that? A three and a half feet. Hi, or like what they were doing, and ideally have the owner involved. I like, to, yeah, I like yeah. to get the owners to the front of the clue, yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff right. like that. Well, yeah. The, 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 yeah, the predatory birds for, for sure. Um, I actually just saw a beautiful kestrel the other day. Um, there's a little yeah. old, um, um, old reservoir that's disused now, they're going to build on it, so they've drained a lot of it out and, and they've left it, and all the grasses have grown back up, so it must be full of rats and bits and pieces next to the Thames. Mm -hmm. And uh, just sitting on the, the on one of the columns was this beautiful kestrel. As I walked past, he kind of looked at me and I stood there looking for, for like half a minute. He was just like, I'm not bothered. You're not worrying me, mate. I'm just hanging out no, here right, for a bit till I get my get my sights on some lunch down there. And, uh, and th there's some wonderful, beautiful things in the country and including the guests that get out from time to time you know we're, we're glad that you guys are there to to deal with it just quickly before we wrap up like how can people find you and how can they get involved with helping Beastwatch uk and national okay. exotics well we're always after volunteers and experience isn't uh, vital although we do take in um people who are already rehabbers People that run rescues and sanctuaries. We've got some zoos involved with us. Um, and you can volunteer through our Facebook group, um, which is National Exotics Animal Rescue Services. Or you can get in touch with us on the uh, the three W's, beastwatch.co.uk, um, which will take you to our website, where there's all information about all the roles that are available for volunteers and information about us and about me um, and, and uh, the other people that work with me uh, and we also now have a sister page which is related purely to fundraising so that's going to be documenting uh, some merchandise that's available and uh, some regular fundraising posts and posts uh, that are fundraising directly linked to um, specific animals that, 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 that are in our care um, for vet fees and, and ongoing husbandry mm -hmm. and things like that. So that's um, us under the same name, National Exotics Fundraising. Um, so, yeah, and we have, we have new members join the Facebook group every week. They seem to be pouring in from somewhere. Mm. I'm not too sure where they come from sometimes. <laughs> I usually ask, you know, where did you hear about us? Why you, and and mm. you know, don't really get much of back, but it's it's always interesting to hear that because I, I'm always intrigued, you know, because I always. Well, I think you know, it's got an attractive, it has an attractive logo, and it's it stands out. There's something about it that uh, immediately tells you what the organisation is about when you see it, and that's that's handy for people, especially when they're surfing online and coming coming across things. It's clear. And for those like-minded individuals, uh, I would suggest getting involved and giving Mike a call, buying some of the products because that always helps. Some vet bills, I'm sure, are astronomical for you guys. Even though you probably have a few friends in the trade, I'm sure it's uh, uh, even friends' prices will save you back a bit. There's nothing cheap, and of course we have been hit by the cost of living crisis. You know that's evident with more people wanting to surrender their animals, people mm. abandoning their animals. 
and even the likes of us who keep the animals not really wanting any more animals mm. so that that comes to a bottleneck eventually yeah. um you know and, and certain organizations are withdrawing the funding from certain really valid programs uh you know which is going to have a knock-on effect and stuff so yeah animal rescue is uh, is always going to be struggling for funds and you can't do anything free these days unfortunately mm. well i think it's very worthy and i think um get involved or just hop on and chuck chuck mike a fiver here and there to help out with the cost uh mike Potter, thank you so much for coming on again very it's well. always awesome to pick your brain and drag you into my cryptozoological world and, and get your your theories as well it's been great to I'm looking forward to retiring to a cryptozoological world myself. Are you <laughs> mythological yeah, or cryptozoological? I actually think I was hypnotised and probably keelholed in, or, or you know Shanghai into this um, this particular role. So yeah, uh, yeah. okay. As soon well, as I can great. escape, then yeah, I'll be I'll be. Come back to us. We need more uh, skeptics. We need be, more decent, reasonable skeptics. So come I'll back be, to us. Much safer looking, running around looking for stuff that doesn't exist. It, 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 it's, well, uh, look, I mean, yeah, Bigfoot sightings are few and far beyond. And um, if you've got any uh, suggestions as to how we could get one, bag one, get one in the cage or something, we'd, we'd definitely appreciate that. Catch pole and dog crate. Works oh, sure, uh, find me in a tree somewhere. Uh, <laughs> okay, Mike, awesome. Lovely to talk to you. Speak to you soon, my friend. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.